Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Welcome to the Happabird Sports Show, everybody. You could have been doing anything else in the world, but you chose to ride with us. We appreciate that. It's solo weekend, so I will take the wheel myself to navigate you through the sports landscape of the hottest topics, late-breaking news, things that make no sense, and a few things that might surprise you. And as always, you can catch us on WMQG Radio, Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern. So you'll notice that once again, and I did this not too long ago, to start a solo show is there is no music. Uh, obviously, today I don't have the same type of energy and enthusiasm with which I typically approach a show, primarily because of what has happened this week that is, again, unprecedented, surreal, and tragic at the same time, and will have a wide and long-lasting impact on the world of sports, just as... Um, for instance, the the death of the nine precious souls who perished in the helicopter crash in Calabasas, California, including that of NBA legend Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi Bryant. So I feel somewhat similar to that, obviously, for different reasons. And uh, today, that is where we start the show, with an event that essentially has has changed sports, has become to me, the biggest story in the history of sports, and it's ironic in a way because what has happened is something that isn't even connected to sports, isn't even of sports, but has affected sports in a way that nothing else ever has, at least in my lifetime. And obviously I'm referring to the widespread pandemic, as it's been called by the World Health Organization, the coronavirus or COVID-19 that has affected at least 114 countries and claimed the lives of over 4,000 people worldwide. And, um, you know, we've known about this for the last couple of months. I believe the World Health Organization um, began uh, talking about and bringing to the public forefront the coronavirus. I believe it was December 31st, 2019. Um, which was an important day in terms of the history of this virus and discussing it to the public and potentially what to expect if it did become a widespread outbreak or a pandemic, which is which it has. Um, so we've known about this, but it has not up until this point affected the world of sports. Things have still gone on for the most part, at least in American sports, as they usually have with NBA games and college basketball games being played, the XFL giving it another shot, and those games being played as well. We had the uh, NFL playoffs, the Super Bowl in early February, early last month. It feels like so long ago that that Super Bowl was. And just about everything else, golf, et cetera. But the impact that this virus has had is unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, we might have to go back to the 40s, 50s, or even before that to think of a worldwide event like a great war or some other type of a virus or disease that shut down sports. But in my lifetime, and I'm 38 years old, I've never seen anything like this completely shut down the world of sports. And it's understandable why. 
because of how contagious the disease is, because of how many people it can affect very quickly, because there can be a very a long incubation period between the onset of the virus within a person and their, them beginning to show symptoms. They can go anywhere from four to five days or even longer without showing symptoms, meaning they can pass on the virus to others without even knowing that they have been affected with it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really tough. It's really sad. It's really surreal, like I said, that this has been going on. So what I'm going to try to do today in discussing how this has affected sports and how it's going to affect sports moving forward is to do my best to give you a timeline of how this has occurred, primarily within the last three to four days and where we're at now and what the future potentially holds for the world of sports. Now, you know, today what I'm starting with is, I would say earlier this week, there have been discussions about the NBA potentially playing games with, with empty, within empty arenas. As a matter of fact, the possibility of that was posed to NBA great LeBron James, the face of the league, and he said that he would refuse to play if the NBA arenas were, arenas were empty. Now, obviously, at the time, there wasn't as much known. Things hadn't escalated as quickly then as they have now. Here, really, within the last 24 hours, as I record this show, uh, the night of Thursday, March 12th. Um, but it was announced, uh, I believe, a day ago that the Golden State Warriors, in an area of San Francisco, where there have been numerous reported cases of the coronavirus, were set to play their game in an empty arena against, ironically, the Brooklyn Nets, who uh, of whom Kevin Durant is a member of the team, even though he's not playing this season. And what was actually going to happen, based on discussions between the league, Adam Silver, the commissioner, and NBA owners, was it was going to be announced today that for the foreseeable future, the NBA was going to play his games in empty arenas in order to, uh, as a response to the coronavirus and in order to, I guess, mitigate the spreading of the virus by not having 20,000 plus fans in multiple NBA arenas who could potentially contract and spread the virus amongst each other and thus out into the public, uh, making things even worse and escalate even quickly. And uh, while that was being discussed, it came down that the NCAA had elected to play their tournament with no fans as well as a means of doing the exact same thing, as a means of protecting people from the spread of the coronavirus. And when that came down, you know, I had various thoughts about it. I totally understood, had no problem with it at all because I understood what they were doing it for. There really hadn't been anything up until that point else that had been done in terms of uh, other options. Uh, and that was a drastic option at the time, and it's understandable now. And it definitely was then as well. But I knew that things had definitely escalated to a much more serious point when the NCAA decided to do that, whether they took the lead of the NBA, which they most likely did, or of their own accord, they decided to do this, to not have fans in any of the NCAA tournament March Madness games, which is probably, some believe it to be the greatest tournament in sports, uh, the three-week tournament in March, and we love it too. As a matter of fact, it's the foundation of the Las Vegas trip that Jay, myself, and several other uh, friends of ours go on each year, and this was to be our, I believe our seventh year, uh, going on this going on this trip to Las Vegas to, in a sense, celebrate 
watch, bet on, and engage with fans because of the first weekend of the March Madness tournament. And um, when I saw that happen, that there weren't going to be fans in these arenas, like I said, I knew it was it was something much more serious. But then things, within hours of this, yesterday, the 11th, escalated to proportions faster than anybody could actually process. And this is a part of how this has now become the biggest story in the history of sports. And that was, ironically, right here in the city where I record this show, where we record this show, Oklahoma City, um, where the Oklahoma City Thunder play their home games. And they were set to play a game against the Utah Jazz. And I was at church, actually, while this was happening. I was at a, in my study group, and I received a text from someone that was asking, okay, why are they delaying or postponing the game? Because the game was set to begin about 7 o'clock Eastern time, and it hadn't began yet. Come to find out, one of the Utah Jazz players, an all-star, as a matter of fact, Rudy Gobert, was being tested for the coronavirus. And... It was revealed shortly thereafter that he had tested positive for this virus. So upon that happening, the uh, Oklahoma City organization, and um, imagine the NBA as well, decided to postpone the game, send the fans home. Uh, Luckily, Rudy Gobert had not been to the arena that night. He was still at the team hotel. So there was no one, at least currently, in the arena in terms of fans who would need to worry about their safety or the, having contracted the coronavirus from one of the players on the court. Now, at the same time, a second player today, it was announced Donovan Mitchell, another all-star, was revealed to have tested positive for the coronavirus. I believe he was in the arena at that time, which raises questions about who he might have infected in terms of officials, in terms of other coaches. I know that he was, to my knowledge, the only one of the 58 members of the Utah Jazz organization that traveled to the game, including coaches, trainers, managers, et cetera, players who tested positive for it. And uh, I believe the Oklahoma City Thunder team who weren't tested last night and were sent home, probably went out, hung out somewhere, are now going to be tested as well as all 30 teams. And there's a reason why I'll get to that in a second. And within that happening, probably within an hour or less of Oklahoma City postponing this game, due to Rudy Gobert contracting the coronavirus, it was then announced that Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, had decided to suspend the NBA regular season, meaning no games will be played, players would not practice, um, and essentially the league would be completely shut down, shutting its doors to its arena as a response regarding the coronavirus pandemic. And I'll sort of get back into the NBA's response here and there throughout the show, but that's essentially what had happened. Now, what made this, and I hate to use the word funny because it really isn't, I even hate to call it ironic. You could say it's something that was, um, uh, it's, it's hard to describe it. <laughs> and this is what I'm referring to. Rudy Gobert, a few days prior, jokingly in response to what was happening with the coronavirus after, I believe it was a post-game interview, uh touched each and every one of the microphones and it looked like there were about 12 to 15 in front of him as to say that this is not a serious deal people are overreacting to this it's no big deal no one's going to contract this and not only that but it came out after he was announced to have contracted the coronavirus that he was just as careless and playful about this in the locker room with other players touching them touching their belongings and potentially spreading the virus perhaps that's how Donovan Mitchell got it or maybe how other team personnel may have contracted it who don't even know it yet. 
um, because during that incubation period, there is a period of time where a person can be tested and not test positive for the coronavirus, even though um, they are carrying it. And eventually they will start to show symptoms or they will start to um, the virus will progress enough in order to yield a positive test. And obviously this was a, you know, a really horrible look, a really bad thing to do to be the one not only joking about it, but to be patient zero in terms of the NBA. And he has since apologized for it. He says he feels embarrassed. He feels upset at himself. He's apologized to team, to the team, the personnel, the organization, the NBA, and anyone who may have contracted the virus from him, especially due to his childish carelessness with what he did in the press conference and in the locker room with his teammates. So I forgive him. I don't think he meant to spread the virus to anyone, but it is a very bad look, and it just is another sign of, of his immaturity. You know, he's still a young player, still a young man, still has a long ways to go. This will be a learning experience for him and hopefully for a lot of people to take this serious and to just do what our mamas taught us and our preschool teachers taught us when we were three or four years old, and that is to keep your hands to yourself and not touch other people's belongings and not put your hands on other people. Um... So, again, his teammate Donovan Mitchell contracted the virus somehow. I mean, we don't know at this point if Donovan Mitchell was the one who gave the virus to Rudy Gobert. There's really no way to tell how either of them got it. All we know is that they do have it. But earlier in the day, Donovan Mitchell visited a local high school in the Oklahoma City area or suburb of Oklahoma City, Dale City, Dale City High School, and interacted with players, coaches, and, uh, you know, talked to them. It was a really cool thing. I mean, it, it could be really – I mean, it's awesome to meet an NBA star like Donovan Mitchell – uh, with his athletic ability, someone who could be a superstar one day. And, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know if they've been tested or not, but it's possible that he could have passed the virus on to them as well. Now, where this really gets difficult and where this really gets scary is the fact that because of the incubation period of this disease, it's possible that Rudy Gobert could have had this five or six days ago or a week ago. And during that time, the Utah Jazz have played five games, if I recall correctly, against five different teams. So if you – it's kind of like how really any disease gets spread. You have to multiply. You multiply basically or you observe who those five teams that have come in contact with Rudy Gobert, who they've played, and then who those teams have played, and then who those teams have played in terms of other players potentially carrying the virus from patient zero, Rudy Gobert, if it was him infecting other players. And if you do that, just based on the Jazz's schedule alone and these other teams playing other teams in the league, basically all 30 teams have come into contact with a team who have at least come into contact with a team who has – eventually come into contact with someone who may have been, been infected by the coronavirus because they played against the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert, and Donovan Mitchell. So essentially what the NBA is going to have to do is test all 30 players. And what has probably happened is all these, these teams and these players, I mean, they go out. A lot of them are young guys. They go out. They have fun. They interact with people. They do community service. They do a lot of things in the community. So it's possible that there are other carriers of this virus in the NBA um, or, you know, in the NBA league who may have unknowingly spread the virus to other individuals in the communities, primarily in their home cities or wherever. So that part is pretty scary. So I understand that during this time, um, the NBA is going to have to get all of their players and personnel tested in order to do their part in continuing to, I guess, to diminish the possibility of the virus spreading to others in the country. So after that happened, as I said, the NBA suspended their season, uh, at least for the next month, because basically what's going to happen is after 30 days, 
the NBA owners are wanting to meet with the commissioner to get an evaluation of where the league stands in terms of the virus. Um, you know, probably new cases, what the game plan is in terms of potentially finding a way to play the rest of the season, whether that's to make up the games that have been missed or to begin right where the season is or to go straight into the playoffs or not to play this season at all. So either way, even if there is a concrete plan that the NBA will have at the end of this 30-day period, it's probably going to take another two weeks to maybe four weeks even to implement that idea. So you're looking at at least, at the very least, two months without NBA basketball, again, which is something in my lifetime that has never been seen. As a matter of fact, the only time I've ever seen sports really get shut down, and this is primarily the NFL, is during 9-11, the horrible, tragic um, terrorist attack on this country that claimed the lives of over 2,000 people. And uh, that was just for that was just for one weekend. The NBA, the NFL, I'm sorry, suspended games during that weekend. But that next week they went back to playing games when other security measures around the country had been implemented both within and around stadiums and in major cities and places where games take place. And, you know, God, you know, thanks be to God, there was no other terrorist attack like that during that season or or since then. Nothing of that magnitude uh, that I can recall in this country. So, uh, so yeah, you're looking at two months without NBA basketball. So then what is soon followed today after what was a historic night for these reasons last night is essentially all the sports choosing to close their doors and even non-sports events closing their doors anywhere where mass gatherings are to be expected, where it only takes one person in order to affect many and many to affect others. So today the MLB, Major League Baseball, announced that they were going to push back opening day, which was set for, I believe, March 26, at least by two weeks. So baseball won't begin at least for another calendar month. The NCAA decided to cancel the NCAA tournament, not only the conference tournaments that were set to begin this weekend, but the March Madness tournament. There will not be one this season, or at least not for the foreseeable future. The XFL, that was just beginning to get his legs underneath him, have decided to suspend play this season, as well as Major League Soccer um, and uh, Disneyland as well. And I can imagine that other theme parks, such as Six Flags, uh, which are stationed around the country, may decide to do the exact same thing, and uh, as well as concerts, too. Uh, Billie Eilish, one of the most popular pop artists, has uh, suspended uh, her concerts as well. Others will follow suit like The weekend, etc. So basically everybody doing anything where there's a mass gathering to be expected have have shut down in order to um, respond appropriately to this pandemic that is sweeping the country and sweeping the world. I know golf has suspended many of their tournaments. Most likely they're going to do the exact same thing with their majors or at least the majors that they have coming up within the next couple of months. Uh, including next month, which was to be the Masters Tournament. No word on that yet that I'm aware of, but they will probably shut that down too. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what NASCAR is doing, but they're probably going to have to suspend their races. Uh, The NHL has suspended their season as well. So basically it has shut down sports and beyond this coronavirus. And the implications, you could say the financial implications, revolve around not so much ticket prices or fans paying to see the games or the events live, but it's the television ratings. You know, without any games, really, there will be no ad revenue. 
because there are no ratings, which is what ad, you know advertising revenue is based upon, how many people are actually watching, which will equate to billions, plural, billions of dollars lost in the world of sports. Because um, these are multi-billion dollar industries uh, that will now be financially affected. And obviously it, it's worth it. Obviously this is what had to happen once the game changed and there was an identified carrier of coronavirus within a major professional sport. This is what had to happen um, for the safety of everybody involved in the league and for the safety of the public at large. So I definitely applaud all of these leagues and all of these um, the events that have decided to uh, to close their doors while, you know, really the world, the government, sports, um, health organizations seek to figure out what to do about this uh, horrible coronavirus um, because human lives obviously matter much more, much more than sports ever can, ever did, and ever will. And just how important sports actually is because, you know, someone like me who, who loves sports, who, you know, has been a lover of sports since he was four years old, since I first learned how to play baseball, the first sport I fell in love with and then fell in love with other sports thereafter is that sports in the grand scheme of things is such a small part of life. It's such a, an unimportant part of life. It's like disposable income. It's like you really don't need it to live. You don't need it to survive. It's fun. I know it takes us away from the daily grind of what we go through in our job, in our families, in our homes, in our relationships, um, just trying to do the best that we can to make good choices and be good citizens. But in the grand scheme of things, it, it doesn't matter. There's so much more to life that matters so much more than sports. As I just mentioned, our families, our partners, uh, developing our own talents and interests, reading, developing our minds, developing our souls, uh, being more engaged in a relationship, in a spiritual relationship, if we choose to have one with whatever religion or faith we've chosen to be a part of. All those things are truly what deepen life, probably more than sports, or at least they should, even though sports can be something, can be an instrument through which one deepens their life as well. So sports is important, but it's not that important. It's not life. It's not something through which you should live your life. You should not live and die based upon how well your team performs in a particular game. In a sense, that's ridiculous because these are kids' games that they're playing. They're for entertainment. It's not something to be taken this serious, and it does not matter more than human life, which is interesting to say in a capitalistic economy where the bottom line tends to be equated to uh, to money, to revenue. To Like I said, these leagues are going to lose billions, but it's totally worth it because one human life – that they have saved and they've saved many lives by doing this each individual life matters more than all the money that will be lost but they're going to get it back because eventually this is going to get figured out it always does these viruses like this don't last forever at least at this pandemic level so eventually there will be a vaccine that will be discovered individuals with this disease god willing every single one of them hopefully will recover from this and eventually we will get back to life as normal but right now just kind of like how we've all needed each other in order to navigate through the death of, of sports legend Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the, uh, the individuals on the plane with him and their families and what they represented and how much they meant to all of us as well as we've learned about them and as they were a part of that tragedy as well. We find a way to get through this together. So we'll find a way to get through this together. And I think that we'll come out of this, as we always do in this country, on the other end of it, we'll come out of it stronger, we'll come out of it closer, and we'll come out of it better. So that leads into what happens next. What is the league? What are these leagues going to do now? What can they do now? Because they're all bonded 
under the the banner of sports. So whatever one chooses to do or what whatever idea one has in order to respond to this is going to affect what the others choose to do as well. That's just the way it goes. They're all sort of fastened into one fabric of athletics, of sports, and that's perfectly fine. So what do these sports do now? Now, as I said earlier, the NBA owners want to do a 30-day reevaluation to see what plans the league has come up with, with in order to address the potential of being able to continue the games at some point this year or not, and what is the most reasonable and what is the most uh, humane response to this virus while trying to figure out what to do about these seasons at the same time. And these seasons do mean a lot to everyone, the players, the fans, the, uh, the organizations, the franchises, every sport. It does. It means a lot to them. So what can they do? So I think that um, the, the NBA, and I'm going to use the NBA sort of as my example, which to me they're the ones who really have spearheaded just shutting everything down because once they shut everything down, everybody else did thereafter. So I'm going to sort of use them as my example, but I could interchange that with any other sport that I'm talking about. So when you think about, okay, what are the options that the NBA and these sports have? You know, as, as, their, as their administration, as their think tanks get together to try to figure out what to do about this, what are their options? So the first option you have to think about is, you know, as they did before, playing home games with no fans, but doing so in one to two months. Because in one to two months is very possible that there could be uh, enough tests and that there could be a proper protocol in order to test every individual who would be there in the arena as a part of the team. You know, the fans won't be there, but to test every individual before they come into the arena, before they seek to play or be a part of the game and testing them afterwards to make sure that everybody of these teams who who plays in an arena, in an empty arena, is not a carrier of the virus because, yet again, it can end up affecting one player, then it affects another, and before you know it, within weeks, it could be league-wide, even though you're playing games without the fans anymore. So even with the proper testing protocol that should be implemented within one or two months, there are still problems with that because these individual players will, once they leave the arena, they're going to come into contact with people in the public. They're going to go home. They're going to go through somewhat their normal routine when they're not playing games, which means that it's inevitable that somebody is going to contract the virus and, you know, will get infected quickly, and then you're back to the same problem of needing to protect your players and your personnel. So you still are at the same risk so long as this virus is out there without a vaccine to, you know, to have one of them affect many. So then how can you even do that? How can you even play home games without any fans in one to two or three months if it's possible that they can still affect one another and you're back to the exact same problem and you look bad because then it will look like you did not do enough in order to protect everyone and you still didn't take this as serious as you should as a league, no matter who the league is. So they have to be able to construct a plan to where it's virtually as close to 0% chance as possible that any player, coach, trainer, manager, anyone contracts this virus from someone who is a part of a sporting contest. So, I mean, that's one potential option. I mean, the other option, the other doomsday option, honestly, is to play no sports the rest of the 2020 calendar year. Just cancel 2020 as far as sports. And there are reasons why. But, you know, obviously the reason why you think about doing that is because at least that way, again, there aren't even games being played in empty arenas where anybody, based on engaging in a sporting event, 
whether that's on the court or off the court, is potentially coming into contact with someone who carried the virus, um, who's supposed to be a part of that a part of that uh, particular event. So if you cancel all sports for the rest of the year, I mean, there will still be individuals in each of these sports who contract the virus just because of where it is and how it's escalating um, in the public and how the numbers continue to rise. But it will, at least, it will at least not be because you attended a sporting event and potentially infected other people knowingly or unknowingly. Well, I w- who knowingly would, ex- would spread this virus? So we'll say unknowingly. Um, so that becomes an option. Another option outside of waiting one to two months to play these games in empty stadiums or having no sports at all for the rest of 2020 is to wait until there's a vaccine, which might honestly take us beyond 2020. As a matter of fact, this time next year, there still may not be a vaccine that has been approved by the FDA that's safe, that's gone through human trials, and that has been shown to not only work, but to shown to have no long-term effects by individuals who have taken the vaccine in terms of not experiencing any major health-related side effects two or three months down the line from having taken the vaccine. That takes time. And um, I've been speaking to medical personnel because I do work in a hospital, so I've been talking to medical personnel about this, and they say it can take one, one to one and a half years, as many, of you, as many of you know, to even have a viable vaccine. So if the league says we will not play these games until there is a viable vaccine to where if anyone in, on one of our teams in one of our leagues contracts the virus, then we have what we need in order to cure them. So if they take that stance, then there is no sports anywhere for the next year to year and a half. But that is a viable option in terms of if you're talking about potentially doing what's best for the health and welfare of your sport and of the American public in general and of the international public, because there are still people who will be you know, coming in and out of this country internationally, just like anywhere else. So um, it can affect them as well. So that's that's an option. That's a very harsh, harsh option for sports lover, lovers to digest. But you're looking at the possibility of no sports for the next year to year and a half until we have a viable vaccine. But even when we do get that vaccine, there's still going to be infected people and there's still going to be people who are going to be in a position to infect other people. So for that reason, do you still even then, after a year to a year and a half, take the risk of playing in empty arenas or playing in full arenas when, you know, we've kind of gotten back to things as normal when we feel good about the vaccine and when we feel safe that if by some chance we do uh, contract this virus, whoever we are, that there is a vaccine that can quickly cure us. So it won't necessarily eliminate the disease. It would just give us a bona fide answer when someone does contract this particular virus. So then another thing is, what if it takes two years for the infection rate to be low enough to be deemed safe enough for individuals to be able to attend live sporting events? And I know that each sport gets to, I guess, in some way decide when they will and won't suspend their season. Because if this is up to the government, then the government would have said there are no sports. There's no sports that's going to be played and then sports can't play. Do they have the power to do that? The U.S. government? Most likely, yes. But what if they say that? That based upon this is the government talking based upon our interactions with the World Health Organization and the CDC Center for Disease Control, we will not allow any sporting events for the next two years because that is how long it is projected to take in order for the infection rate of COVID-19 to be low enough in order to be deemed safe for people to once again attend sporting events. So that's a possibility as well. And you hear me talking through all these possibilities. And what I'm saying is nobody has the answer right now. 
Nobody knows how this is going to turn out. Nobody knows exactly what to do in terms of what is at the pinnacle of what's best for everybody in this country. So this is honestly where we are right now. And usually when I do a show, whatever, you know, and it's a sports related issue, dumb stuff, just stuff I like to talk about to entertain you all, stuff that I find interesting. Usually I can take a definitive stance on how I feel and what I think about something. But with this, there is no definitive stance because right now nobody knows what to do except stay away from each other while these leagues try to figure out what to do. So this is where we are. You know, we have different options, but everyone, no one is sure right now of what the best option is, because if it were, it would have already been implemented. And that's perfectly fine with me. Like I said, this is the time where you, this will force us to, in a sense, sports fans, diehard sports fans like me, it'll force us to evolve, but hopefully in a positive way to where we can spend more time with the people that we love to where we have more time to read more time to catch up on television shows more time to develop new hobbies more time to learn about ourselves and grow ourselves spiritually so that when these sports do come back we're much better human beings than we were before uh this needed shutdown happened so again that's why it's so important to not live your life through sports so this is where we're this is where we're at right now i think that eventually things will get better we'll survive this we'll get through this but for right now, one of the most important things we can do, other than making sure we're safe by washing our hands, by not touching our faces, <laughs> you know, just everything that the CDC and the, and the WHO have been telling us to do, um, wiping down surfaces, you know, being very sanitary, staying away from mass gatherings as much as possible, and just doing the best we can if we feel sick, if we don't feel right, to quarantine ourselves and not risk it and not chance it and not try to be tough guys. So right now, you know, that's one of the best things that that we can do for ourselves and for everybody else, as well as keep everyone who's been affected by this worldwide. All of our brothers and sisters, whether here or abroad, who have been affected directly or indirectly by this horrible virus. Um, pray for them. If you do pray for others and keep them in your thoughts, wish them the best. And, you know, never forget that they're human beings just like us and just like just, you know, we're all, we're all. You know, we're all a part of the fabric of humanity. We all need to care about each other, think about each other, and pray about each other. And that's part of what I believe. So we'll get through this. Uh, hopefully this was um, you know, a thorough enough timeline of what's happened for those of you who are only peripherally um, understanding of how this has affected sports. Hopefully this has given you a good summation of where things have gone in the last two to three days and what potentially lies ahead. Uh, but for right now, there's so much in life that can make our lives just as much and more meaningful than sports so now it is the time to engage those things um so that will help us to you know sort of find the the positive as a result of all this happening so it is always protect yourself and love yourself and you know we'll do the best we can moving forward appreciate y'all listening this is not a very easy show to do at all but i appreciate y'all listening to the show um, to Mike, Bob, and Wendy, the production team, thank you for holding it down. To my co-host, Jay, uh, appreciate you for always bringing the fire. To Ms. Jackson, thank you for participating by listening in the show. To Florence Nightingale, to Leslie, to my nephews, to Rod and Bub, thank you for listening to the show. Everyone who supports us on Twitter, uh, all of our bros from AFIA, we appreciate that as well. Visit the webpage. We'll do the best we can. It's not going to be easy doing these shows without any active sports being played. You still have a lot going on in the NFL as far as free agency, as far as the draft, etc. So we'll be able to get into a lot of that. We'll do the best we can to make this show as entertaining as possible, uh, given that there won't be many games being played for the foreseeable future and really none at all. But we'll do the best we can to try to 
you know, to try to make it as fun as possible. So with that, love yourself, love somebody. As always, this has been the Half a Bird Sports Show. Signing off. Be safe. Be careful out there, everybody. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.